Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges, and you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like the show, give us that five-star review. I keep asking for it. Give me more. And we're going to talk about judging in MMA, and so you should read the criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. Please do that. You know, Dan, we're being polite about these questions. You know, read the criteria, please. You know, give us a five-star rating, please. You know, tell tell all your friends, please. Send us money, please. No, we never do that. But if you want to, I'm not opposed to it. Ah, I mean, fine. We we take handouts, but no, I, I think I think we're okay. Uh, <laughs> Dan, we are officially about an hour removed from watching. Uh, I guess what was it? Thirty thousand hours of. PFL championship event? Definitely a marathon. It, it's it's not good when you start before a baseball game and then end after the baseball game. That's bad. Oh, I was thinking of it more in terms of Sunday football. So if this, let's say that the PFL championship event started at like the start of the one o'clock uh, Eastern time football games, right? Mm-hmm. It would have ended right before the Sunday night football game again. Yeah, that's just way too long. I can watch football all day long that way because I can get up, I can walk around, it's easy. There's a billion breaks that are built in, but it comes right back. Um, I'm not really into watching PFL boost the product for about 45 minutes with nothing else going on. Not feeling it. I didn't like it. It It took so long. The pacing, like it really was like all time bad. Like I, we've complained about pacing before on like UFC shows and Bellator shows and here and there. Boxing is notoriously terrible with this for their big nights and stuff. But honestly, I don't think it, I think the new measuring stick is was it worse than the 2021 PFL Championship event? I'm going to remember this one for a very long time. I mean, it's just so bad. I mean, you know, you know, it's a Wednesday, right? People have work in the morning. <laughs> I know. I don't. And and here's the thing: I'm a like an extreme proponent of Wednesday MMA events, but not when they last seven and a half hours. That's insane. They could have done this card seven to ten, and they could have trimmed every non-championship fight. I I think they could have done seven to ten. I think would have been tough because they do a f- six five-round fight schedule. They did. I, that would have been really tough. But I. If they did it, let's say, four and a half, five hours long or something like that, right? And you just had the championship fights, I think you'd probably have a much better cohesive event no matter what happens in the fights. I mean, the, you know, you can't control what happens in the cage, but you can at least set yourself up for success there. And I, I think they completely failed uh, the viewing public on this one. Seems they do it all the time, so. This was particularly bad. No, I, I don't I don't have as many complaints about that particular. I mean, they, there are certainly issues with their broadcast, and they had, they've had... Uh, you know what? I'm going to back off that, Dan. You're right. They, yeah. they've, they've had issues. <laughs> they have a lot of issues, honestly. Um, I, There's a lot of things I think PFL does right, and I think th- the general idea of the product isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I use that word product purposefully because they're putting out something that they clearly view as some sort of corporate product, it, you know, with the smart cage and the the. What was it FPR PFR? I always screw or it up. Fight rating or something. FP fighter performance rating FPR. It's garbage. It's trash. We no one understands it. Like they wanted to create something like QBR that they have in in the NFL to measure quarterbacks. At least there's a formula that if you were a, a stat nerd, you could go look up and find out what that is. No one knows what this number is. It's just some mystery number that doesn't seem to always correlate to what we watch. It's just random. Very random. It's stupid. I I hate it. 
It's garbage. It's trash. I don't want to see it again. I don't want to hear it again. I'm tired of hearing smart cage. It's not that smart. I'm also sick of the verdict. Oh, well, so. get verdict out of there, too. I mean, we've we've already been down that road. We're not big fans of verdict. Um, if people want to do it for their fight picks, I hear people like to do it just for the fight, fight picks themselves and track their picks. All right, fine. But scoring-wise, no. Get that out of here. People don't know what they're doing. Yeah, so... Even most people in MMA media don't know what they're doing. I, I saw takes on Twitter tonight that it was like saying, oh, cage control. I'm like, no, man, come on. You're better than that. Trash. Let's get, let's, let's, uh, these people, come on. Yeah, not, not, not fun. Um, and it's unfortunate because PFL, like uh, tonight, we're, we're, we're obviously talking on Wednesday going into Thursday. Um, this, this event started seven weeks ago and it finally finished. But um, I really did think that there was some good action in the cage a lot of the time not all the time but a lot of the time we had some pretty solid action going on in the fights we had some fun fights Mm -hmm. i mean not all of them were fun but no i mean but like even just the championship fights right they were contested it was the right people that should have been vying for a million dollars more or less i think we had one that was just a a lopsided five round kind of snoozer uh at at featherweight between uh chris wade who lost and loik red uh Uh, who beat him there? Five rounds, fifty forty-five. No, he he fought. Um, uh... Oh no, it wasn't Rajabov. You're right. It was uh, Movlid Kaibulayev. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. I appreciate you correcting me. Um, yeah, I, I mixed that up. So, um, that that was a fight that honestly I had to step away during round four to help my son go back to sleep. Uh, I probably should have just brought him down and let him watch the fight, and that would have <laughs> really worked. I didn't think of that until right now, and as I'm saying it, and I feel really clever. It almost seems like I can this, but I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I missed the last two rounds. I came down, and I was like, please let it be 50-45s. I don't want to go back and watch these. And thank you to the local judges of Florida uh, for coming through and getting one right on that one. So so bless you all uh, for making me not watch that fight again. But everything else I thought was pretty solid to, yeah. to some degree. Uh, yeah, there was, yeah. I mean, I guess the first fight we're going to talk about, I wasn't too keen on. But Well, no, but that was, I mean, I guess I'm talking about more of the championship yeah. fights. But but yeah, the the first fight we would talk about for contested rounds, uh, and we may as well get into it, right, Dan? Uh, that was really the only one that I think drew any sort of controversy from anybody who was watching. And, and the right woman won in this fight. That was Clarissa Shields uh, losing, actually, to Abigail Montez. It was 29-28s both ways. Two of them for Montez, one for Shields. Round two was our split round, but I think a lot of people were pretty surprised that this was a split uh, at all, like, that realistically it should have just been two rounds for Montez and one for Shields. But uh, why, why is that, Dan? Why exactly? Like, What did we see here? Well, I'll start with low output from both people. You're not wrong. Uh, I think Shields landed pretty decent on the feet. Just not much, and then on the ground, man, uh, Montez is uh gets her side, uh, not side control. She gets her to half guard, and she just pummeling her for a little bit. Uh, I mean, I don't really care either way. I know I, you weren't I, very I, into this. Fight. I, I, I can it. I can make a case. I can I can. If someone said Shields landed strong on the feet, and that's why, and I didn't they didn't score Montez groundwork that high? I'll go for it. They did a lot of clinching against the cage, where uh Shields is throwing uppercuts to the body. And Montez is throwing knees to the inside of the thigh. I mean, I I, I can't get too hung up e- either way. I, I just don't. I don't know. I, I just don't care. <laughs> very very Nietzschean, uh, Dan. I like that. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's great. So no, for me though, I I felt a little more strongly than you. I 
I could begrudgingly accept an explanation kind of like you provided as far as uh, the case for Shields winning the round, but I, I really don't think that's a very strong case. I scored it for not Montez. I don't think I said that, though. So. No, I don't think you did, but yeah, yeah. So you ended up obviously on the right side of the law, so to speak, here, um, as did I, in my own opinion, of course. Um, mostly this one, 10-9 for Montez. But I really thought that Montez did enough to get the round based on what she did, especially on the ground. Getting it down, scoring from from the takedown, you know that was mm-hmm. that was effective grappling because what did it lead to? It led to some some solid strikes landed. I think because of that, you can actually give that takedown just a little bit more weight. Yeah, that's that yeah. is one hundred percent. So that's why I feel, I feel like that is a difference maker. Like sometimes, I mean, sometimes. How often do we hear? Oh, the takedown wins the round. <laughs> we hear well, you know it what literally be- every time. DC is on the call. Scott, that could be a reason why there's so much uproar in this round because people aren't taking into effect what she did from the top. They're just saying, oh, she was on top. Sure. And that could be a reason people are mad. I mean, they could be mad for the wrong reason. Well, I think people, if anybody's mad, it seems like the reason they're mad is that Shields actually got the round. Everyone's like, why would Michael Tate, the the uh, uh, out judge on this one, give this round to Shields? But that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. They're mm-hmm. saying Montez won it clearly because she was just on top. Right, and that's yeah. not really so, what it is. Right. Yeah, I, I get you now. I, th- I think I'm with yeah. you now. Um, no, I, anyone who thinks that that is the reason, I, that is incorrect. It's It has nothing to do with just the fact that she's on top. She's on top, she's landing. She put it down there and, and, and made that be an effective transition for her. So I think that gives the grappling a little bit more weight. But I really didn't think that Shields' work in the uh, on the feet in this particular round was as solid as it was in, say, like round one. I, round one, she was looking really, really solid while she was still standing. I was a little, I was like, she's really an 11-0 boxer, like four-time gold medal winner, right? Oh, careful going down that route, I am though. going, I'm, but I'm, it's like some of her punches didn't seem like they were coming from a world-class boxer. I don't want to, I don't want to critique her technique, but. It seemed like maybe she was a little too worried about getting clinched. Well, she probably was. So, I, I'm, I would imagine so. She is she's a neophyte to the sport. She's only been training 10 months. I know. I'm just saying. Some of the punches didn't seem like they were coming from that caliber of a boxer. I, Yeah. I don't, I, I don't so. want to go down that route. I mean, you, you can say what you want. But I, just, I don't think it's fair necessarily to um, criticize the way she's striking in MMA because... Despite her world class boxing, uh, it's it's tough to make that transition when you do have to deal with everything. She's not standing in a boxing stance, you know. It, everything's different. Everything's awkward. She's kind of out of her comfort zone. I don't want to go down that route. But I got a question. What? Is, what's your question? I, I didn't you, you talk to her earlier in the year? Right? I did. Uh, once or twice. Why is she doing this? Why is she doing this? Yeah, isn't there I, more money in boxing? It, isn't it more lucrative for her to stay where? Not where in she women's is? boxing, no. No, no. She, um, she's had a a lot of complaints actually about, um, not getting a fair shake in boxing. I think she she finds it very hard for herself to get positioned on big cards and that kind of thing. Um, she was very proud to be headlining an all female card that happened, I believe, in Flint, her hometown, back in March. So that was a very big deal for her. Um, but yeah, it, it's, she calls the boxing world very sexist. If you ask her, that's what she says. It's very sexist. It doesn't yeah, provide her. as many opportunities and people realistically, I think we all know you can make more money in women's MMA than you can in women's boxing. So I don't blame her at all for doing it. If, even if that's the pure reason 
that she's doing it is just to make more money. I can't fault that. That's I mean, that's the American dream, right? Yeah, I, I would think she she'd try to get on a car with Jake Paul. Oh, but she, so, <laughs> but that's the last thing she wants. She really? is very Oh, yeah, you haven't been paying attention, sir. No. She has been hypercritical of she says she would never be on the undercard of a jake paul card and then jake paul uh reveled in her loss tonight on social media yeah i mean kind of danced on her grave so to speak which was not uh, that's not cool i guess that's why pride is a a deadly sin one of the seven deadly sins you're trying to remember the movie seven yeah Mm -hmm. don't don't look in the box (laughs) what's in the box But yeah, no, she is not a Jake Paul fan. That is, that's okay. not where they go. But right. I think she's doing this. I really think she does want to challenge herself. I think she's okay. interested in it. I think she, ha- now that she's trained it a little bit, especially, she really understands like it would be interesting to um, challenge herself in such a way. She feels like she's mastered boxing. She, you know, more, more or less, she kind of has. This is a new challenge for her, and she's still young. So she's young. She hasn't trained very long. I think it's. I mean, she's not targeting next year for the tournament and obviously we now we see why it was more like 2023 and i'm starting to think 2024 might be more realistic give her a few years let her really figure out how to train in the sport if she's down for that if she's in it for the long haul and if pfl's still in it for the long haul um there's that too <laughs> uh, who knows what can happen if, if i think if uh, if like kayla harrison sticks around because she's a free agent now after this fight um uh, i i think it would definitely help pfl's long-term viability if she leaves i I don't know i mean they're kind of lacking on star power at that point so i don't know but yeah i I think let's just let's assume they're sticking around i would if i was her coach i would say target 2024 because she needs more reps in the cage they they need to find honestly they just need to give her some cans abigail montez is not an actual can she trains with you know, like Alexa Grasso and the, and those those women out there. It's not like she comes from you know some podunk gym somewhere. I know, but the thing they is- really should just find cans. <laughs> let her do it. Give her just yeah. let her build confidence. Let her you know get a little bit of cage time in while she works on all the other stuff. But they also have to have opponent because I mean commissions are going to say, well, she's a world class boxer. We can't just throw her in there with someone that doesn't have a like record. You have so, a, a very high opinion of the Florida Commission, sir. Well, I'm a little... I, I got an opinion on that. I mean, they gave away $6 million tonight, plus fight purses. Mm-hmm. How did we not bring in any traveling judges? So, Oh, well, that's trash, too. Um, I mean, we're, that's a little off topic, but I, it's certainly part of our show. I think we should talk about that. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The thing that PFL doesn't seem to have is any sort of... Um, pull? No, well, it's not even pull. It's really they just don't have anybody who's on staff who is part of kind of regulatory affairs and that kind of thing. They don't have like a Mark Ratner. Um, the Bellator works, you know, very much with uh, Mike Mazzuli, who's of course the head of the ABC and also the commissioner at uh, Mohegan Sun. A, how are you a fight company without that position? I know it's I trash, know. right? <laughs> Especially not just a fight company, but a fight company that wants to be not just national. They want to be international. You, they have grand plans to be some sort oh. of like FIFA level doing tournaments in all sorts of countries and stuff. They want to do all sorts of things. And the cart is so before the horse here because they just don't have everything in place for that. You, but you're you going to middleman between you're the commission and the company. It's not even necessarily a middleman. It's just someone who that. understands judges and officials and tries to bring in the best of them. Oh, They're yeah, basically yeah. just settling for whatever state they have to be they happen to be in whatever officials are available and look you can find competent local officials 
judges, referees. I'm not trying to denigrate the local officiating scene. But we're talking about your championship biggest night in MMA, quote-unquote, as they like to call it. If the biggest night in MMA is your event and you're giving out $6 million, $1 million to each of your champions, and you're going to say, let's just give it to the Florida guys that kind of showed us in the semifinals that they aren't really that much trustworthy. Maybe they just buy into the whole, oh, you know, we, we can't have Chris Lee anymore. We can't have Sal D'Amato. They're the worst judges. <laughs> but, like, you need a regulatory person, someone familiar, who really understands that what everyone says isn't necessarily true. There are levels to this, as someone I know likes to say. There's levels here. And it, you need to bring in the right people. It didn't bite them tonight. The judging on the whole ended up with the right winners. I don't think we had, other than this one, I kind of disagreed with. But this is probably the most egregious of all the rounds we're going to talk about. And we should get to them because we don't have too much more. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I think they dodged a bullet by not having a situation where it was really close. I mean, we had really close fights during the year where the fight didn't go the right way. You know, uh, and Tebow getting the win over Rory McDonald, not, not good. Uh, if I recall, House Manfio, actually, the, the champion at 145, uh, who we'll talk about in just a moment, actually, uh, he, he had that, or 155, excuse me, he had the fight against Anthony Pettis. That, if I recall, Dan, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I think we had a fight around in that fight where we were like, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember. But anyway, it, it just the evidence, I think it points to a clear, there's a difference in the type of quality judging we're getting at these UFC and, and Bellator events that we talk about sometimes and the PFL events that we talked about. I think whenever we talked about PFL, almost always there was something where we were like, oh, this wasn't that great. And we don't really say that when we're talking about the UFC. Yeah. Very often. It does happen, but it's much more rare. I mean, it, PFL was good when it was in New Jersey. PFL has saw, I mean, they, they even then they had so, some mistakes or, you know, what I right. would view as being the wrong call, uh, at least. You know, we talked about that, too. You, you certainly agreed with me. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. New Jersey, is, it's much better. No question. Um, but I, I just, I think for the big event, they needed to be better than this. And, and they dodged a bullet. But I don't know if they're ever going to learn from that. I think they're stubborn. I don't think they they care about those type of things. I, I think they're too concerned about the forest instead of the trees, <laughs> you know, All right. to paraphrase yeah. the uh, the saying. Uh, but I, I think probably we've exhausted that subject. Yeah, and let's we do get have, back to the fight. Yeah, let's get back to contested rounds. Uh, let's move on to our championship fights here. We only have two of them that we're even going to talk about because a lot of these fights didn't last very long. Some of them didn't anyway. Um, and the ones that did or didn't actually otherwise they were you know the judging was fine let's get into that house manfio uh victory he's our our light uh lightweight champion of pfl as an alternate i believe they said he had 10 plus 10,000 odds wow to win this tournament because he was the alternate oh. imagine if he put a million dollars on himself that man no, never... no bookmaker would take that i don't think they'd ever take that bet Oh, I think they would. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not would. as familiar with that, so maybe maybe I'm wrong, but... I definitely think so. <laughs> Just that. imagine you make that money. You'd be like, right, I'm done. I don't need to do anything anymore. Yeah. Why would I fight anymore after that? <laughs> That's so <laughs> funny. Um, But yeah, so he got the win over Loic Rajabov, uh, who I miss... Uh, I misassigned to the wrong fight for that one earlier. But this was... Uh, it was a clear win for uh, Manfio on the cards. 48-46 twice. 49... Or, 48, 46, and 49, 45, excuse me. Uh, the other one was two times. We have three rounds, actually, that were uh, 
in variance. And each of the judges took a turn being the out judge. So let's start with round one, which again, not a controversial finish, but you know, the fact that we have so many rounds going one way or the other, it starts to make you wonder if things could have shaken out a different way. So what happened in round one, Dan? Round one, stand up round. Uh, I think it's pretty close, but I thought it was also pretty clear for Manfio. I had a 10-9. Uh, he's, uh he's landing a couple solid shots, but throughout the round, it's Manfio, the one that's countering, landing solid right hands, backing Rajivov up, uh, getting good reactions out of him, where Rajivov's just backing up, no returns. I think uh, Manfio, 10-9. Yeah, the the solid rights really stick out from that round in particular, um, and and. Like you said, there's really not much being answered there. So it's like, well, I mean, certainly there must have been some sort of reasonable mm-hmm. effect there if he's not even able to return fire, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not a good look, and it's hard to really say, hey, did he was he able to claw back in that round? I really don't think so. So I'm with you. I think it's a 10-9 Manfield round. Um, I guess the question at hand is, though, is there a realistic, you know, viable minority case to be made for Rajabov here? I guess maybe it's, maybe you think he landed better than he did. I thought he missed a lot. Sure, so. and that could come down to you know where Troy Winkabar, our out judge on this one, uh, was positioned, uh, as opposed to Eliseo Rodriguez and uh, Michael Tate. So, yeah, sometimes it, you just kind of have to chalk it up to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, to be fair, I guess you could probably say the same thing about the the Montez uh, Shields round that we were just talking about. But I still feel like that. Look, they're on the ground. I think we know what's happening there. Yeah. It's a little easier. So I, I I'm less willing to do that than say a striking only round like this, where positioning can really affect things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I think ultimately two out of three saw it the right way, which was good. Uh, and we saw it the same way too. We're not overturning anything here. Uh, round four. Now we have a round that's a ten eight versus a ten nine, uh, and I think a lot of people found this to be very surprising. Uh, Dan, what did you think? I, I think, to be honest, this is the score I have the most beef with on the whole. Court. Okay, and I don't blame you. Uh, I'm I heavy damage to the body. He dominated the stand up the entire round. Kicks, knees, punches. Manfio. Yes, uh, how's Manfio doing this? Ripping the body with kicks, his punches. I said kicks. Kicks, uh, that's okay. Yeah. I like it. Kicks, knees, punches the body, some to the head, maybe a couple to the leg, I think. Uh, I think he checked all three Ds pretty pretty heavily, and uh, I really hated nine for this round. Yeah, hated nine. Now I understand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm with you. I feel like there's worse instances of, of a judge not going to the eight when they ought to, but this, it's not good. I, I think on a night like this where we didn't actually have awful judging, uh, manifest at least on the fights that we mm-hmm. were talking about we we more or less skipped over the judging of the uh, prelims uh, other than the title fights so mm-hmm. we didn't get into that but for the rights we're going to be talking about this was yeah this was probably the closest and may not have stood out as much if there were other rounds right mm-hmm. but nonetheless it's i feel very strongly that this is also a 10-8 as well I, for all the reasons you did uh michael tate Troy Winkapaw, they agreed with us. Eliseo Rodriguez was out on his own there, and and I wonder, I hope that uh, a judge like Eliseo Rodriguez hopefully will go back, watch this round, and say, okay, yeah, I can see how this is a 10-8. And, and Rajabov wouldn't even, he didn't even throw any strikes at distance, really. No, not really. Only, only when he got clinched would he throw a couple punches. But not so. not nearly enough to try and make it even, right. too. Especially yeah, yeah. for the damage he was eating. Like it wasn't just that he didn't do much; it was that he was really eating quite a bit. It was really. It was actually a shock that I mean, he was able to survive it. I thought he was. He was taking his body had to. It's hurting right now. It's definitely hurting. So. They they certainly gave him a decent look between rounds too. 
uh, before round five. Mm-hmm. You could tell there was a little bit of scrutiny over kind of the situation he found himself in, Rajabov. But, you know, nonetheless, he was able to make it out, answer the bell. And uh, round five, once again, this is our last round, of course, being the last round of the fight. There was a variance here as well. But just a 10-9, or not a 10-9 split, a uh, who won the round split here with two judges again seeing it for Manfio and one judge seeing it for Rajabov, Rodriguez, and Winkapaw were our majority team here. Uh, did you agree with them, sir? I went with the minority in this round. Oh, okay. I thought Rajabov had a good round. Uh, he started strong. Uh, Manfio finished strong. Uh, I think Rajabov just had the edge in terms uh, of where he was when Manfio actually started taking it back. Uh, I thought he landed some strong punches early. Uh, I thought Manfield was, was getting stung pretty good. Uh, but then Manfield, like I said, comes on late. And I, I think it was just a little too late. I disagree. I, I actually saw it the same way as our uh, our top team here, Rodriguez and Winkabar, our majority team, I guess we'll say. Um, you saw it with Tate. But f- yeah, for me, I, I think ultimately he was able to take it back. Okay. Is really all came down to. And, and you know. I think this is pretty much a reasonable disagreement of mm-hmm. opinion as far as uh, how you assess yeah. what happened in the round. Ultimately, did not matter on anyone's scorecard. There was nothing that could be done to uh, change the result of this one, I guess. Well, I mean, that's not entirely true. It depended on which judges gave it which way. So if if uh, Michael Tate, excuse me, if, if uh, Elisea Rodriguez or Troy Winkapaw had given this round the other way, it could have been... At least a majority decision, but yeah, it wouldn't have changed who won. So it really didn't matter. <laughs> is really what I'm getting at. Yeah, commentary team thought differently. But... Well, the commentary team also <laughs> is very slavish to fighter performance rating, <laughs> which gave the fight to Rajabov. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's garbage. <laughs> Anyone who watched that fight realizes, well, that's not true. And then they have to sit there and defend FPR the entire night, knowing that mm. they spent their first championship fight talking about a fight that they completely disagreed with their system for, and they just kind of brushed it aside and moved on. Now see here, folks. <laughs> it's garbage. It better not come back. It's going to, but it, I really hope it doesn't. <laughs> Bury it with the smart cage. And the ghost yes. cam. Oh, the ghost cam. Yeah, yeah. Come on. They didn't even try to like lean into the Halloween aspect of that right now. I mean, we're we're a couple days out from Halloween. They couldn't have been like spooky. That would have been fun. <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. Yeah, they they didn't think about that. Nah, it's crap. They that's uh, but that's it for this fight. A good fight, by mm-hmm. the way. This was this was a good way to start off their um championship portion of the the uh, fight card. Of course, they for some reason decided PFL to put two of their six championship fights on the prelims. The second of which ended in a first round submission by Shoeface Antonio Carlos Jr. getting the win over Martin Hamlet. And then they had a giant break where nothing happened for like almost an hour because they separated the two broadcasts like idiots. Just make it one thing or make the prelims just be what happens before the title fights. It was so stupid. And it probably made this this fight card last a good 45 minutes longer than it ought to have. Half an hour minimum. And that's key. Because who's staying up to watch this other than your uber hardcores? Who's this even isn't sticking like, around? This isn't even a big ratings thing for ESPN. They don't get a lot of ratings on PFL. Like People are probably like, oh, I got to go do something. And then they go, oh, wow, I forgot about the fights are still on. It's on ESPN2 also, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was watching on, on the app. I think you were as well. I lose track of what it's actually mm-hmm. on because I just turn on the app and I'm like, all right, where is it? So 
Uh, I don't have cable anymore. Mm. Been a while. But yeah, they so many mistakes made. But we do have one more fight to talk about from this one, uh, and that is the heavyweight title fight between Bruno Capelozza, who got the victory over Ante D'Elia, two 49-45s and a 48-46 in his favor. Um, and unfortunately, Dan, I, I actually missed this on the broadcast, but I found out everybody was talking about Capelozza's father passed away on Sunday and no one in his family told him, right? Until when? Tonight? Tonight. They wanted to wait until after. Oh, no, that's Yeah, hard. just imagine. Yeah, I... See, I missed this too during watching live because I had this—I had the sound on low, and I, I kind of left the. That's room, why so he was crying it. in the ring. I don't know when they told him. I don't know if they told him immediately after. I, oh I actually missed that. I missed the full details of it. Uh, I haven't had time to really catch up on that. But I mean, shoot, I don't know. I mean, I, I had to—you know—I try not to go deep into the thought because I still have my father. But I'm like, well, what would I do if it was me? Do I want to know if I'm in that situation, or would that distract me too much? Because obviously, it's a it's a horrible situation to find yourself in, and then you have to oh. focus yourself. So Jesus. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it sounds awful, but this was the family's decision, I suppose. Sunday's Maybe... not, it's not like it, it was yesterday. I know, I know, it was days ago. But they're in Brazil. I mean, it's not like he's right there with them, and he keeps he's keeping busy, I... you know. Yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, I can only imagine just how bittersweet this this whole Jesus. night is obviously he, this is his biggest crowning achievement as a professional bruno capelotes i'm sure his father would be very proud of him um and who knows for all i know his father said please don't tell him like if i go please don't tell him or something i don't know the details i don't want to i don't want to denigrate the family that's not my place um but it is you know you feel for the man Oof. who obviously again it's his greatest professional accomplishment and then he has to go from that to your father's gone and that's awful and i feel for him I feel terrible. Um, but again, he's got a million dollars now. He's got an amazing achievement. Hopefully this will be a, a good place that he can move from and, and toward in his career and, and honor his father and, and anything that he needs to do uh, to grieve and that kind of thing. But our job is to talk about this fight, which was a really excellent fight for like 11 minutes. And then it turned yeah. into a heavyweight fight that I didn't want it to be. I, I, I've been saying, I was like, I don't want it to go past round two. It was fireworks. And then it beginning. went past round two, and it was it finally started out again. And I was like, oh, wow, this is good. And then like the moment I recognized that, wow, this really did exceed my expectations going into round two even, it just died. It, I mean, it wasn't dead. It was, it was. We've had worse heavyweight fights, but it wasn't the same. It, it didn't have the energy, and I don't blame them. So, Round two and round four are our split rounds that we're going to be talking about. And round two was a wild one, Dan. Like this wild was round. a this is I feel like there's almost no wrong answer here, but but why don't you take us through what happened? Yeah, so round one, Capilota gets the unanimous ten eight. No surprise there, really. And it was almost to me looking like it was heading in the direction of what could have possibly been a ten seven. Not that any judge would have given it, especially at the local level. I would expect none mm. of them to do it. But it, it was a total shutout with with heavy strikes being landed the other way. And I mean, it didn't it didn't seem too far off of uh, Kamzat Shemaev uh, against. <laughs> I believe it was Reese McKee when he got the ten seven. Yeah, from uh, Judge Jones. Mark Collette. Right. Yeah, it was definitely Mark Collette. I don't know which fight it was. Yeah, I can't remember which of the two fights it was offhand. But anyway, it was it was he got the one ten seven there. Uh, ultimately, it didn't go that way. I think he, he probably slowed down just a little bit too much. And again, I don't mm -hmm. think the judges would have done it anyway. But then Dalia actually at the end of round one, we're still talking round one. Um, Dalia got up and I don't know how he got up and then all of a sudden he returned fire and he had some decent strikes landed. Mm -hmm. So I think that made it much easier to say this can't be a ten seven, but it was an easy yeah. ten eight round two though. Wild. Yeah, he Dalia used some of that momentum from the final uh, minutes of round one, and he's putting a beating on uh, 
Capeloza. On Capeloza. I mean, I texted you. I said, well, he's on his way to a 10-8 now. You did, yeah. And uh, Well, that didn't last very long, though. Uh, it seemed to me, once he was on top, he landed some heavy strikes. I thought Capeloza was out at one point. I was like, oh, he I kind of thought so, so, too. He looked a little limp. <laughs> so he, He's smashing him with those uh, hammer fists, and then Capeloza comes back. Uh, he gets the back at one point. He's landed some good good punches from the back there. Uh, I don't think the uh, the comeback was enough. I think uh, Dalia was a bit more uh, more impact there. So I scored it for Dalia 10-9. Yeah, that's totally fair. And, and that was the majority score from LSA Rodriguez and Hector Gomez. Gomez, I'll say that even better. Uh, but I did go the other way for Capelotza. And I was, I was very torn. This was not an easy round for me to uh, assess. I certainly see why you'd give it to Delia because I saw the same as you. I saw a guy who looked like he was like really close to out or maybe even out uh, to some degree. But I thought that Capelotza's comeback included enough high spots. It wasn't just like one spot. It felt like he really kind of was able to rise above in several ways. Okay. And I think that was why I ultimately went the other way. But maybe that's flawed logic. Maybe it really is. I, I'll readily admit that just because obviously we we haven't been formally trained yet. We have things explained to us, but maybe there's uh, some flawed logic there that you're the right one and I'm the wrong one. I don't know. Uh, but I did side with Troy Winkleball here and gave that to Capilotza, So, All right. But I don't think – I see that, again, this one, I feel like there really isn't necessarily a wrong answer when you have two guys that were darn close to finishing the round. It's very yeah, hard, you I, know? I, yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's like so – yeah, we talk about fights where – you know, or rounds where, oh, they didn't do enough to take the round. I think both of these men did enough to take the round. It was just, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get them out, and it's no one's fault. Yeah, you know? I think, like, rounds like this, it, it's weird. You can't say wrong answer. You, you just say each each man has a defensible score or a defensible case. I think so, too. I, I think that's a good way to do it. Very nice, sir. Round four, though, uh, after Capeloza comes back and gets a, a clear 10-9 uh, 10, 10, in his favor in round three, comes back out and... Again, there's a little bit more uh, ebb and flow to this one. It's a, it's a little uh, imbalanced uh, as to who won the round because we had a little bit of high spots either way, to some degree. Yeah, I didn't like this score that much either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Capelos gets the back right away. It's more like more of a turtle position, and he's landing some decent punches from there. But once it's back on the feet, the league gets a lands a couple punches into a takedown, and and from there he just beats Capelos up for like three minutes, and then he gets back to the feet, and they spend a meaningless final minute clinched against the cage. Like I said, heavyweight MMA. So uh, in round four, I thought it was pretty pretty clear for ten nine Dalia. I I think I did too. I basically agree with you that this ought to be a Dalia round. It, it's a lot harder to give it to Capaloza. I I don't think this is as uh, even much of an eyesore as the ten eight nine split that we spoke about earlier. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I don't think it's quite at that level, but yeah, I, I think it's still a little harder to give this one to Capaloza. But Capaloza again, he did have. At least a little bit of a high spot, so you can kind of yeah. understand why it went that way. I don't think it's the right score either, but probably defensible to mm-hmm. to some degree, you know. Yeah. And that was it for our contested rounds. Actually, we you know we really didn't have too much. Like I said, all the judges ultimately, uh, you know, despite the fact that we feel that PFL would have been wise to bring in uh, the best of the best in the country for the biggest night in MMA TM. Uh, <laughs> nonetheless we we uh move on with that we had five finishes on this card oh you want to say something yeah i bet i bet this is the biggest pay mma has given out biggest like uh total purse spent 
outside of the UFC, I would say almost definitely. He, but I th- maybe, maybe, Connor maybe, maybe when it was affliction events from years back, I don't know. No, but, <laughs> no I, mean, a lot of money I was then. even saying the UFC. I mean, outside of maybe Connor versus Dustin, I don't think they paid paid guys this much. I mean, Connor himself has probably made more than yeah. that. I, I think there's been several fighters who've made. When you talk about all of their compensation, they've made I'm at just least about this fight much. Purse. Oh, sp- yeah. regular fight purse. Okay, yeah. fine. But like, that's no, no. That's really just a way that the money is is divvied out. Like, that's not no bonuses. Yeah. Like that. Okay, but it it's it's not. It's like an artificial way to to kind of classify. Pay-per-view you know what I mean? Sales. It's still it's still not. We know that they're going to make X amount of money if it's certain people. So you know. I think it's a thing that the PFL can say. They say, "Well, we we paid." Oh, us, and they will. We paid six million. Look at look at what you guys paid yes of course and they they're most definitely trying to do that and they're looking for every edge to make themselves sound better and this is what they should be doing realistically and eventually, they're, pro- they're a promotion they call themselves a league they want to be thought of as a league it's still a promotion <laughs> at the end of the day and they're promoting themselves yeah so i get it um but yeah favorite finishes uh of the night sir all well, finishes in general there were five throughout the card including the prelims two tko one well one ko one tko three submissions not often that we get more submissions than uh, strike base finishes, right? Yeah. And then one of these was a round one finish. That, of course, like we mentioned before, was Shoe Face getting the rear naked choke finish to win the light heavyweight tournament. Dan, what was your favorite? Yeah, finish? that one was my favorite. That was, face. of course, and it was getting the back standing and then you know sinking in the choke and getting the uh, the tap. Doing everything I think uh, we expected, right? More or yeah, less. Yeah, I mean, Kayla Harris had a, uh, she had a good one. She did. Um, I think she could have done it in the first round. And instead, she waited to the second round. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that she was necessarily. I, you're, you're pointing out maybe that she wasn't taking advantage of everything in front of her. I maybe she just didn't think it was the safest move. I think she was trying to be careful here. Uh, she, one thing she said to me last week actually was that she, she wants it to be a boring fight. She just wants to win. Like she didn't really care. Mean. That's mean. Sorry. She's still entertained. Well, no, she's always gonna. Entertain she's too good and, not to. Like she, it doesn't yeah, matter. She's always gonna be entertaining. But. Yeah. After seven and a half hours, Kayla. Not her problem. Come on. Not her problem. That's a PFL problem. It is a PFL, but it should, they should let her be the first bout. <laughs> you know what? Realistically, they should, but like because we all knew what was going to happen here. I th- really thought that Ray Cooper, uh, uh, who won the 170-pound championship for the second consecutive year, two-time millionaire. Um, that was a good round, too. That was a, that was a good fight. It was a good yeah. round. Uh, you're right. The third round was definitely better than the fight on the whole, but... Uh, he got the win over Magomed, Magomed Karimov. A lot of Magomeds in there. I'm pretty sure I, I predicted third round knockout for Ray Cooper. Is that right? I don't even I remember. I think I did. I, you know, how this, when we make these predictions, like I almost never remember them, even when I'm wrong or right. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm blocking them out because I'm wrong. I, sometimes I like, oh, did I, did I get it right? I don't even remember. So, But I did predict Shoe Face to win the uh, light heavyweight. So. You, from the very beginning. The I mean, start. I'm pretty sure I did too because that was kind of, I didn't love the field. I wasn't so, that impressed with the field. So, props but to us. you could probably look back at that and say, no, Scott, you're wrong. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, that's fine. Well, we talked about most of these finishes, but what was your favorite? Oh, my favorite finish actually happened before the title fights, sir. Okay. It was Jordan Young. Did you see this one, by the way? I don't know if you looked at the prelims, but this one, he I... threw a beauty of an uppercut. It was just, it was not... It wasn't like a wind-up type. It was just perfect from the pocket. Nails. Omar Yakhmedov, UFC cast-off, former you know, ranked middleweight. Didn't even in know there. he was out of the UFC. Yeah, I think he. I think they got tired of his style and the fact that he would tire after like 10 minutes. 
Right, that's right. He he had some. Like, I, I remember the especially bad fight he had with uh, Chris Weidman. That's what I was just gonna bring up. Yeah, <laughs> two middleweights where Chris Weidman's not the one that is gassing. Yep. Yeah, so. that was not that was not a particular fight, but but the beautiful uppercut from Jordan Young to end up getting the mm-hmm. TKO finish, uh, stemming off of that it wasn't a clean knockout from that, but it 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 ended the fight. And it was a really nice punch. So I look forward to seeing uh, Jordan Young next year. I guess he's at 205. Um, I imagine he'll be part of the season. All right. Let's that do was it. My, that was my favorite. And that is it for PFL. We will not be talking about PFL for quite a while unless there's some news on the front of where Harrison ends up signing next year, where Cooper ends up signing. Uh, after you know, His contract they, is over, too. Are they not going to do any like one-off events? PFL? Yeah. They don't really do that. No, that's that's not part of they're they're a league, sir. This, I get this it. is it's what they league. do. I mean, it's a just... league and and it's all about the season format and everyone loves standings and it... I mean, I don't know what kind of money Clarissa Shield is making, but she, she's got to wait how long now to fight again? Quite a while, right? Well, they are going to have I know they're going to have uh or at least they're planning to have kind of like a contender series type of thing. So it's oh, very so they possible they could put, get on. They, it's possible they oh. could put her on that because realistically she is a contender and ought to be on those type of cards. Mm. Um and if they're trying to boost the product, at least that would bring a little bit of eyeballs. But now that, unfortunately now that she's lost, there's there is some shine gone there for certain people. I don't think that's the right thing because I still think she's a very interesting prospect in the sport, but she's just, people need to be more patient with her. And honestly, like I said, PFL needs to just well, line up some cans, thing- stop getting people from decent camps, just line up somebody that the commission will say, yeah, that's fine. I'm not saying someone who she's going to murder. I do not want that. I really don't, but she needs somebody that she's just going to build confidence against. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, to the same, uh, saying you know we don't want to rush her but then they're also putting her in these spots where it's like she's on the main card she's not on a prelim she doesn't want to be she doesn't she actually did not feel comfortable being the the headlining fight earlier this year but 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 pfl is doing that of course they're the the ones responsible for oh you mean you guys are promoting this girl yeah but and she's not performing to what you guys are saying she is yeah so there's certainly culpability there yeah i think you can always blame the promoter when there are certain like like i would say Bellator deserves a lot of blame for how they handled Aaron Pico. They rushed that kid. They, you know, his, I blame his team, too, because as much as Aaron Pico wants all these things, like, of course he does. <laughs> he He's a fighter. Every fighter wants to be the best, and they're in a rush to do it. you got to slow the roll and be like, no, dude, you got to slow it down. And they put him in there with Adam Borix, who's like a legit 145-pounder in, in Bellator. It's like, you can't do that stuff. They, <laughs> they made some really terrible mistakes with Aaron Pico, um, and hopefully he can overcome them because I do think he's an interesting prospect. But people were writing him down as, as like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like the biggest baseball prospect or something like that. But not now, but like Wander in Franco. a long time. In a long time, I'm talking. Yeah, Wander Franco, fine. That works. Modern guy. Um, but yeah, it, I I don't need to think about PFL for a while. All right. We're off PFL. We are off PFL. We are on to what's happening Saturday morning, Eastern time, UFC 267. And this is not a pay-per-view. I repeat, it is a numbered UFC. That is not a pay-per-view. I didn't look up the last time in particular, but the one that stands out for me the most was, I forget the number, but it happened November 2011. And I believe this was the first non-Title Five round main event between Chris Lieben and Mark Munoz. I want to wow. say that was the last one they did that was a numbered event and not a pay-per-view. Okay. 
10 years just about 10 years actually almost almost to the every week. 10 years they give us one for uh, yeah these, with these here's cards. a little gift yeah take that and go plebes <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah so this one starts at 10 30 a.m uh the prelims eastern time 2 p.m for the main card and this is a legit numbered event i mean this is this is a great card uh two title fights jan blahovich Glover Teixeira, 205-pound title. Piotr Jan and Corey Sanhagen, they've got the interim 135-pound belt, which I think a lot of people will still view as the best 135-pounder mm-hmm. in the world will come out of this fight, even though it's an interim title fight between two guys coming off losses. How weird is this? <laughs> Only in MMA, right? <laughs> well, to be fair, the one guy was smashing. It, yeah. And the but... other one is highly highly debated. Exactly. So, but, that, I mean, that's, yeah, that is really where it comes are... from, but... Yeah, the facts are they're both off a loss. It's true. It's so, so weird, uh, and no, and again, no one disputes this too. We're all we're all comfortable with the narrative of this being like a legit because it's what everyone fight. wants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, how often do we get that? Uh, I still think it's weird. But, I mean, that we have all these interim title fights, so it like ruins it. This is when we need it because Al Aljamain Sterling. It doesn't sound like he's very ready. You know, he's got like neck surgery and stuff. Sounds like, like that he might he had, not so. fight again. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, I don't wish that on him. No. I certainly wish he can come back and and come back just as strong as ever. Um. You know, Long Island guy, not too far from us. But nonetheless, I, we can talk about at least these two title fights. Let's start with the headlining attraction. Jan Blahovich, Glover Teixeira, two guys that I think everybody kind of written off a few years ago as even potential oh, contenders for the title. I wrote I wrote Jan off a long ago. <laughs> yeah, after, I, we, after we did that past judgment with Corey Anderson in the first fight, yeah, I was like, there's just no shot. Mm-hmm. And look where we are now. Yep. Legendary Polish power. <laughs> And he's great. I, I I spoke to him not this week. I actually didn't speak to any of the fighters this week for that. I'm I'm was focused on PFL and then looking ahead to UFC uh, next weekend when they're at New York. But we don't want to put the car before the horse. We'll put that one there. Mm-hmm. This fight. What do you think? I oh boy. <laughs> You're not ready for this one, huh? Uh, it's on the budget. You knew it was coming. It's I know. It's a tough one to pick. Uh, I want to say Glover just because I'd like to see see the guy win. Um, but I like Jan too it's hard to hate either of these guys. Yeah. Like who's sitting there being like, Oh, I hope Glover to share loses. That guy stinks. Here's the thing. I, the Glover to share fight when he fought Tiago Santos went exactly how I thought it would go. He was going to come in, you know, risk taking a couple shots to get the clinch and, and to get the takedown. And then, you know, when would a sub, I think he'd probably have a similar game plan. It's just, as, can you eat a yawn punch the way you ate Tiago Santos's punch? I don't, I don't, I'd prefer so. not to, I, I, if it was me. I mean, that guy's got some sick power. It's a legendary very... Polish power, sir. I think he, I don't know. It's, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the share uh, submission. Uh, third round rear naked choke. I don't think it's getting there. I'm I'm going to say Jan Blachowicz round two uh, TKO. I do think that okay. Polish power is going to connect. And and we've seen Teixeira have some struggles in the earlier parts of fights. Right. Um. It it seems like he just does better as the the opponent fades. I don't know that we're going to have Jan Blahovich fade here. I think he's, despite his age, despite his miles, I think he's really coming into his own here. I just don't see it. Glover's certainly capable of getting a finish at any point in this fight, even early or late. So he is very much alive. Uh, I don't know what the odds are, but I'm looking at him as the underdog in this one, the one who probably would not win. So I can't count him out. And and again, he's a great story. He he seems like a, a the guy that I would want at the cookout. To come to me oh, yeah, and, and yeah. hang out. I want to. I want to make some burgers and chill with him. And he sounds great. Uh, but I mean, I'd probably say the same thing about Blahovich. He he seems like a decent guy. And but nonetheless, I do think Blahovich is the better fighter, and I do think he'll win round two TKO. Okay. 
And I'll forget that one again because I always forget. I'm these. not gonna. Refer- I'm gonna remember. This you one. should. I, you know what? This should be your job to remember our picks. See how well we do over the yes. year, over the course of the year. We well, not, do I that. mean, it doesn't even have to be over the course of the year, but just be held accountable the next time we talk. That's fair. Like, because I don't, I, I don't even remember my picks from the time <laughs> we record one show to the time the sh- the event we're talking about happens. <laughs> yeah, I've already forgotten because I just don't. I don't put a lot of I mean it's not that I don't put a lot of thought into the picks but like it's just not where my my yeah my brain power my energy is really going to to make sure that I get these right or wrong because it's so easy to get them wrong you know and I have no oh. money up for grabs so it's it's just not a big deal to me. We'll get into that in a minute. I could even drop doing picks honestly. But I know you like it and I'm I'm certainly going yeah, going along can. with it cuz I want to I don't want to disappoint do some, you sir. Got to do some picks. I understand. I understand. But yeah, the other title fight of course, Jan and Sanhagen. What I loved about this one damn is that we had a guy whose year was defined by an illegal knee in Jan, <laughs> and a guy whose year was probably defined best by a flying knee in Corey Sanhagen getting the win over Scary. Frankie Edgar, that nasty knee in February. It's a, it, They both need this fight, sir. Yes. You like, you like my little pun there? They need this they fight. They need this fight. Yeah. yeah. Forced puns. They might need Dad jokes. dough. Dad jokes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have no patience for it. It's funny. All right, all it's right. It's good. It's fu- I, I'm telling it you it's funny. Good. I'm not laughing, but I'm telling you it's funny. I like it. <laughs> you got there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you think of this fight? I, uh, see, part of me wants to say Peter Jan's going to win because of MMA math. Yeah, of course. Um, MMA math always works. We know that. Exactly. But I think Corey Sanhagen it has grown leaps and bounds since he, he fought Aljamain Sterling. And I'm going to go with Corey Sanhagen's up to the task on this one. He's going to take a decision. I'm going to pick Jan. I don't feel good about it because Sanhagen, I actually think, despite Jan being such a terror um, is scary. throughout the fight, I think Sanhagen just has that you-don't-know-when-it's-coming factor, and he could pull anything out at any point. I, I, I was a little surprised to see him maybe not have the same stamina against TJ Dillashaw in the later rounds than I kind of expected him to. I think he was still solid, and I bet you he's probably got more in him than, than Piotr Jan does, but I thought he would be a lot more solid in the la- like at the later stages of that fight. Maybe it was just a, a tough fight, but I think he's certainly... Tough fight. He's going to be in for that with Piotr Jan too, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to count out... I mean, TJ doesn't stop moving either, so he's chasing. Like, yeah, he's going with him the entire... they're different opponents. Yeah. It, it, again, we're talking about MMA math; it doesn't work. But Sanhagen, I think he's even more a threat at any point in the fight because he's just got that one strike. He does viper-like kill in him that you can't count out at any point. And he, you know, it could be four minutes fifty-five seconds left, and if they're in a firefight or in a situation where he could land. You're still sitting there on the edge of your seat, like what's going to happen? And it's and it tends unless they're be, clinched, and then it's like, oh, whatever. But you know, <laughs> and, and it tends to be something that that's not like a typical orthodox strike. It's he's just got, he's got a wide arsenal, spinning yeah. wheel kick, flying knees. Really, just a superb kickboxer for MMA. Um, he's very interesting. But I will pick Jan. I'm going to say decision. I think it's going to get there. I, I think Sandhagen will be tough enough to hold on to that. But I think probably this is going to be quite a war. I'm looking forward to this fight. I really hope it good. meets my expectations. I hope they don't take a total beating, but I, I just expect it to be a war. I think it's going to be a good fight, um, and I'm going to pick Jan decision. All right. Yeah, but uh, maybe I'll remember that. You better remember that. That's I got it. I got it remembered. What a, you know, I made a list kind of here of some of the uh, the fights that interested me otherwise, but I want you to kind of highlight at least one or two of the ones out of these that you like best. 
I don't. I we am, could take turns or whatever, but I just think well, you there's should. two I like best. Yeah, what do you got? Mainly because I think they're being disrespected by the bookmakers. Okay. Uh, Dan Hooker, I think he should absolutely be the underdog. Okay, against uh, at, Islam Makachev at over plus four hundred. I don't. I think that's an insane. That line. is an absurd line uh, <laughs> for someone like Dan Hooker. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean, people have been calling this. You know, Dan, please time the knee perfect because. Dan Hooker throws great knees up the middle. Mm. You know, in Islam, he's going to shoot, and it, just time it, just time it, knock out Islam. But and there uh, is a, a late replacement factor here, too, because it was supposed yeah. to be Rafael Dos Anjos against Makachev. This fight That's has been uh, this fight's yeah. been canceled several times. It's it's basically uh, a poor man's Khabib versus Tony <laughs> at <laughs> and, this and, point. And, you know, Hooker's just fought. He's in, he's in shape, so uh, I think, and he probably had much less turmoil for this camp. Mm-hmm. Are you actually picking Hooker or no? Uh, who am I going to pick in this one? I don't know. Uh, yeah, why not go with the underdog, Dan Hooker? What's your method? TKO. TKO, okay. I am going with uh, Makachev, and I'm going to say second round submission. Oh, yep. submission? Yeah, I, I think so. I'm, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> I feel good there. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but again, I'm terrible with picks, and I won't remember anyway. Uh, what what was the other one? Because I, again, I have he, a few here. But then the other one was uh, Li Jing Lang versus Hamzat Chimaev's return, and I think uh, Lee is being disrespected by the bookmakers here because he's also over plus four hundred. Again, I do think he should be the underdog. I just don't think that. I think that price is just way too high, especially Chimaev was in bad, rough shape with with COVID. He basically retired so, for like a day and a half or something like that. Yeah, and and, and Lee is no pushover, so. I mean, the leech I, is is tough one. He yeah, he's he is highly respected. I think he's possibly, uh, with the exception, of course, of like Zhang Wei Li, the the women's mm-hmm. champion uh, at 115 pounds, uh, who's now challenging again for the belt that she lost next week. Um, I think he is by far the best Chinese male fighter. And and Li that we've seen. He he just knocked out Ponzinibbio, right? Yeah. So and Ponzinibbio was out for like two years. Yeah, coming off a so, big layoff. Coming off big layoffs, like Lee's the killer here. I don't so, know. I think you're doing a little MMA math here. No, no. I I read into the story or here. MMA algebra Lee, or something. Lee is Lee is the guy, the long return killer. The long return. That's what he's known as. Yes. All right. That's gonna be his narrative. Look, I I actually I'm with you as far as the idea that it's very tough to know what to expect out of Shemaev mm-hmm. coming off of this. I think he does have just an amazing skill set and frame and size yes. and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard to discount him. Oh, yeah, you can't discount him. I'm, I'm actually picking him to win. You are picking Shemaev. But, what's, what's your... Uh, um, I think decision. decision I don't, I don't okay. think he's going to get him out of there uh, in three rounds. So I, I would say the most likely thing that's going to happen in this fight is it's not going to go three rounds. That is to, oh. I feel really good about this not going three rounds, but See, I am going to say uh, that Lee gets this done. Lee wins it. I do think he will oh. win it because I mean he's tough. He, you just can't count this guy out. Uh, I think a lot of people do sleep on him at their peril. Uh, and and I ju- again, we just don't know what's going on with Chemayev. This is a big step up for Chemayev too because I think it's the appropriate step up. I, I will say that. I think when they were trying to do him versus Leon Edwards, I thought that was way too mm-hmm. far uh, ahead of where he'd earned the place to be at. Well, to be honest, and, and skill wise, I, I don't even know if he was there. But I think they wanted him be, to be champ by this time this year. Well, of course they did. So, I mean, they knew what they had. They yeah. knew they knew what that could mean to the Middle East market, and that especially was missing uh, Khabib now because mm-hmm. he's retired. They lost a lot of uh, kind of pulling, I guess, the Muslim world. And they, that's a that's a void they need to fill. So mm-hmm. to be great to have somebody out there who naturally just built some some momentum, and obviously it didn't go that way. But no, I am gonna pick I'm gonna pick uh, Lee Jingliang. Right. I like how we both argued for the guy 
we picked against. Yes. That's good. <laughs> That's good. But, you know, I there's a lot of great... You get good matchmaking in the UFC at this mm-hmm. level, you know? Yeah. Once you get past, like, let's say the lower regions of the UFC roster, you get into that middle, upper middle range and, and all the way to the top, the matchmaking is just so on point. It's hard to mess up. I, there are stumbles here and there, but I think we have a really good card here. Uh, I like... Uh, some of the other fights I like, I like Marcin Tabura finally getting uh, another chance at kind of that upper echelon mm-hmm. at heavyweight. Uh, and I'll always be grateful for him uh, finishing <laughs> Greg Hardy. Uh, shout out to Marcin Tabura for doing that and putting a smile on my face for just one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this match. But he gets Alexander Volkov here. It's, it's it's a big heavyweight fight. I would, I'm very curious to see if the improvements that he seems to have shown in the cage over the last several mm-hmm. fights will carry over into a top opponent like this. Because, I mean, the goal would be take down Volkov. You know, Volkov's shown some vulnerability there. He's very mm-hmm. tall. He's got a lot of uh, of body that seems kind of ripe for the picking. And Tabura does a really excellent job when he can get fight to the mm-hmm. ground, yep. work that ground and pound and get the finish. So, and that's where I feel good about it. I actually do think he's going to get the finish here. Uh, sec- I'm going to say second round TKO uh, for Tybura. Ooh. Fi- and really break through. All right. The thing is, I you know his opponent's not going to need an inhaler between rounds. That's true. So, that's uh, true. I'm going to go. Volkov's going to get this done. TKO. Okay. All right, that's fair. That was a different fight, though. By the way, yeah, it was a different fight. I know what you're saying. But, you're taking a shot. I mean, I'm this, okay with that. This, this, I'm okay. With Greg Hardy died on the canvas. <laughs> he was he was gasping for air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want the man to die, but right. you know what? I, I, I just don't want him to win. That's all. <laughs> I think that's fair. You got any others? Yeah, I do actually. There's a couple. I mean, it's a really good card. It really is. And even the a lot of the ones that I didn't highlight, there there's some interesting fights here. But a couple more that I had uh, highlighted were Magomed and Kalaev. You got a Magomeds everywhere. I mean, there's very, a whole lot of Magomeds going around it's MMA. Scary name in MMA. What's great is you you can't spell uh, Magomed without M M A. Oh. <laughs> but he at 205 he takes on uh, this is the biggest step up for his career too against Volkan Ozdemir uh, Ozdemir has not looked the same as that kind of really quick start he got out to in his UFC career I always thought that was uh, not lucky not lucky he did what he did but I I think he really just kind of got hot at the right time and he wasn't necessarily the top fighter that he's thought of. And it, he's still solid. I mean, he hung in there with Yuri Prohaska before Prohaska got him out in his debut uh, with the UFC. That might be so a, he's he's a legit fighter, yeah. but I just, I don't think he was real championship material the same way that, you know? Okay. Uh, but I, I actually feel like Uncle Live is going to look pretty good here. But I'm going to say decision. Uncle Live wins this one. Okay. Just wins? Yeah, I don't I don't have a pick. Knockout. Yeah, I was going to say, Why that's not? weak. Yeah. That's weak sauce. Uncle Lev knockout. <laughs> All right, and uh, and then the other one I want to see, too, is, uh, and who doesn't want to see Amanda Hebos, right? I like Amanda she's just She's just fun. Like, uh, you know, is she a top fighter at 115 pounds? No, I mean, she's working her way up. I think she's still top in prospect. that, like, I don't know if she's a prospect. I don't even know if she's a top prospect, but she's kind of in that well, between prospect to, you know, kind of rising contender, I guess, like on the fringe of getting to the point. Um, but. She's just such a breath of fresh air. She well, looks they so want happy. Her to be good. Of course, they want her to be. I mean, she, she's got good. a lot of charisma. She just uh, she's natural charisma. People enjoy her. Uh, she she did uh, she filled out one of those uh, humanizing fighter questionnaires for mm-hmm. Alex Bahunin, uh, who's a good follow on Twitter. I appreciate when he does this. Uh, and and one of the questions I always look for these when when Alex does this. It was favorite video game, mm-hmm. and she says. Uh, I like to watch people play. Does that count? I'm like, that's such an endearing answer. I love it. 
I love that. That's great. It's way better than saying Call of Duty. I'm tired of everybody says Call of Duty. Uh, if you say Call of Duty, you're boring to me. And anyone who trashes video games, like, you're dead to me. I don't even care about you anymore. Uh, but, yes, yeah, she's got uh, Jan De uh, Virna Jandadoba going on here at 115 pounds. And I do think that's an interesting matchup, an appropriate matchup for her. So I'm curious to see who comes out of that one. Probably some good uh, grappling going on here. Hebus Armbar. I'm going to say Jandadoba decision. <laughs> I do think she loses. But, I'm, again, I'm always excited, and, and I wouldn't count her out. And we're... Uh... We're in the Mideast in Abu Dhabi. So. We are in Abu Dhabi. I, I don't know if they're calling it Fight Island for this one or if it's it's back to just being Yaz Island like it was before Fight Island existed. I've secured an island. I've secured an island. Yeah. He, <laughs> oh, God. You know, Mac Malley actually was talking about that on Twitter today. And, and he was like, hey, remember that time when he told everybody he secured an island and it just ended up being Abu Dhabi? I was like, that. That, that was some BS. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it being Abu Dhabi, UFC brings in whatever... They basically act as the commission out there. They bring in whatever judges they prefer to bring in, both North America and from Europe. I imagine we will see some of the top guys from over in England, you know, maybe Ben Cartledge, who who actually was just on the uh, the Russia... <clears throat> excuse me, the Russia Bellator event. So you know, maybe someone like that. Maybe we'll see Clemens Werner, who I think is one of the strongest... European judges out there, I'd, I'd be interested to see some more of these guys get some get some time in there, get some good assignments, nice yeah. nice UFC assignments. Um, but pro yeah, probably Sal D'Amato would be out there. I, I I would guess that a lot of these guys. I, I would expect the last Fight Island crew. Just the just the last one. When was that? That was or January. The the, the all the judges who worked the Fight Island events. So yeah, I mean we've I seen the same people. Yeah, we've seen some differences. You know, sometimes like Lucas Bosaki has been out there. I don't know if he's been out there every time. I can't remember. Well, he typically does. Um, He's usually a ref. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's done some both, though. He really has. For for the Fight Island events? Yeah. He's done both? Yeah, he's done both. All right. I'm going to think he's I don't think he pulls double duty. No. Like they do in Texas, because that's stupid. Well, that three... That, At the UFC level, yeah. it's stupid. That three straight string of events, I think he did one event, he was a judge, another event, he was a ref. Mm-hmm. Like in that like ten day stretch. I will say though, I, I think in Bellator last if you recall correctly, Brian Miner did pull double duty in Russia, but they had a very, very small crew out there judging. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand why that would happen. This is that's a different example, you know, mm -hmm. when they're going international and I heard that actually there were a couple uh, officials who might have been able to get out there, but there were some visa issues or something like that, and it just didn't work out. So uh, there could have been more potentially people. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, we had what we had. So, you know, Brian Miner stepped up and he pulled double duty, but not I mean, there's specific circumstances where you could look at it. It's like, OK, fine. But Texas just does stupid Texas. They just, things. Do, it to they do, just it. do stupid Texas yeah. things. Stupid Texas. And that does it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed this Friday edition. We don't do it all that, that often. Not as much anymore. Uh, but we'll be back on Monday. Absolutely. And we'll talk about what happened uh, just UFC. That's all we're really going to be talking about. It's, we don't have Bellator. We already finished PFL. So strictly UFC. And then next week, we'll probably do the same thing, right? Yeah. Great card. Hope you enjoy the fights. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. <laughs>